my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the podcast. Every week I look to interview someone that can help you share your faith naturally with the world around you. In 2023, I'm going to be interviewing people in Australia, also a few from overseas, and then there'll be a few weeks that I'll jump on myself and actually do a little bit of recording with some information that may help. If you're looking to do some coaching and evangelism or as a female in ministry or an online course this year in personal evangelism, please check out our website, evangelisminaustralia.com. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. I have a great episode for you today. I am talking to Matt Prater from Brisbane, and we are talking about balancing the pulpit and crusade, the dual journey, in fact, of senior pastor Matt Prater. Welcome to you, Matt. Thank you so much, Tina. Nice to be on your show. Fantastic to have you along. And also you have your own show, History Makers, um, radio and podcast. So it's lovely to interview another podcaster. But a senior minister, pastor, really, you're an evangelist, which I love. So you're really in disguise. Have you always thought or known yourself or realized that you actually are an evangelist more than you are a pastor? <laughs> yeah, I think I've always known that that's part of my DNA. That's that's my gifting. Um, you know, I came to Christ at the age of 15 and straight away just started sharing my faith with my mates at school and became a youth leader real quickly. And it was just something that basically I'm just wired that way. Like I have these evangelism goggles wherever I go. I'm always looking like unchurched people or someone that needs to have a faith conversation. I'm just always looking for someone uh, to chat to. It drives my wife crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because I feel like I'm talking to someone that has, you know, a similar drive and passion. But you have been um, at your church in Brisbane for 17 years at the, as the senior pastor. But really, as I said, you're an evangelist in disguise. What I want to know is how did you become the senior minister uh, at this church? How did that happen? So, I was working at a Christian radio station in Brisbane as the sales manager. And there's a bit of a similarity between sales and evangelism, you know, because you're, you're reaching out to people, you know. So I was selling air, selling advertising, and uh, I really felt convicted that God had a greater call for me than just selling radio advertising. And so I started praying for all my clients. I started witnessing to my clients. I started looking for opportunities to invite them to an alpha course that we're running at the radio station. And so we had a whole bunch of clients come and do alpha. Some of them came to the Lord. And I was looking for a good church to send them to. So I sent them to New Hope because I knew New Hope was a good church for unchurched people and they'd be looked after there. So I sent all these people there and the pastor who's a friend of mine rings me and says, Matt, you're sending all these people to New Hope. Why don't you come and help me? And so my wife and I prayed about it and we just felt God say, I'm calling you to do an evangelistic work in the city of Brisbane. Now, we were living about 30 minutes north of Brisbane in a suburb called Launton, part of a great church, the Vineyard Church. We loved it. We were comfortable there. We were happy there. But one of my favorite sayings is that God calls us to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to stop being in my comfortable church. I had to step out, you know. So, so we felt God leading us into this church called New Hope. And after we joined the church, uh, we just loved it because it was very evangelistic and 
And then the pastor rings me and he says, there's a free ticket to go to New Hope in Hawaii to a conference called Doing Church as a Team with Pastor Wayne Cadero. He said, I've got a free ticket. Do you want to go? I said, let me pray about that. Yes, God said yes. <laughs> so, so I went over to Hawaii suffering for Jesus and just loved this New Hope Church. Very evangelistic, very outreach focused, very creative. And um, it was over there that the pastor who planted New Hope Brisbane said to me, I want you to take over New Hope uh, Brisbane. And I was only 30 at the time. Carol and I had only just been married. You know, I'd done Bible college. I'd been a youth pastor for 10 years, but no way did I think I was ready to be a pastor. But I knew that New Hope was a very evangelistic church. So I thought, well, as long as we're winning souls, as long as we're reaching the lost, I reckon I'll go okay. And uh, here I am, 17 years later, still doing it. Yeah, what an amazing story. And I'm so glad that the church is, you know, highly evangelistic because um, as an evangelist myself, I'd be thinking, gee, if the church wasn't and I was there as a senior minister, it could be a different story. So uh, that's exciting for you. Really, your love is like we chatted a little bit for those that are listening. I chatted with Matt um, before the show and just understanding his life a little bit more. Um, Matt really has this passion for crusade evangelism, which is these big event um, evangelistic happenings, so to speak. What I want to know is, I'm like, you really feel a call to that. Like, how does that happen? How does, because I have not received that call to these big events, although I'm happy to speak at big events and do do that, Matt, but I wouldn't say, oh, I really feel a, a call to that. How did that happen for you? Yeah, well, I was... Um, invited to go to Papua New Guinea to do some crusades uh, a few years ago and I'd never really done big events like that. Like I'd, I might might have emceed some big events or, you know, been a guest speaker at a conference or something, you know, with, with a decent crowd but never to thousands, you know. And uh, so this friend of ours from PNG has got a large church over there and big network and he invited us over there and it's an amazing culture in PNG because they just love, you know, the, the big crusade style evangelism, you know. So went over there and uh, the first time I got up to preach, um, I had my notes ready, I had a gospel message ready, I shared a bit of my testimony, shared the gospel, you know, and I was like, yes, this is the best thing ever. And then I did the altar call and no one came forward. I was like, oh, no, they've flown me over here. I'm, you know, I've failed, you know. Anyway. I just felt a prompting to ask again because I thought maybe the translator got it wrong, you know. <laughs> so I asked again, do, do you want to come forward and give your heart to Jesus? No one. And my heart just sank. So I felt to ask a third time. So I asked again and one old man toddled up to the altar call, then another, then another. Then there was 116 people on that first altar call and I was just like, this is amazing, you know. Wow. Praise God I didn't give up after the first or the second ask, you know. Um, and it turns out that area of PNG, Goroka, where we were, they're all very shy and it's it's very embarrassing to walk up forward in, in a big, you know, stadium kind of, kind of thing. So I learnt a lot in that first crusade, you know, to be bold, you know, be creative in the way that you, you share the gospel, you know. Because uh, what I do is I get up and I do like a bit of a rap, you know. I, I've got this DC Talk gospel rap that I do and and uh, I like to act out Bible stories like the prodigal son or the good Samaritan. I like to act them out from the stage and then preach from it, you know. 
because I think we've just got to learn to be creative. People have this wall up hmm. when it comes to the gospel, and uh, we've got to be creative to get get around that wall. So yeah, so that was the first taste hmm. of crusades, uh, you know, in in PNG, and uh, yeah, I feel like that's a big part of uh, you know my calling and and God's opening doors in that area. Um, can't say too much yet, but just watch this space. So, you know, some exciting things coming up. <laughs> well, it's always a good sign when doors are opening because, you know, I find myself that following the call of God, you don't need to push those doors, you know, if that's where God has gifted you and wants for you to work, you know, with that um, gifting, so to speak, he opens the door. So that's very exciting, Matt. And I worked a few years back for the Billy Graham Association um, here in Australia, and I understand also that you had some connection to Will Graham. What what was your connection or experience with him as a crusade evangelist? Yeah, well, that's been something that has literally changed my life. So working with Vision Christian Radio, I've been an announcer for many years, and they sent us to Broken Hill uh, when Will Graham first came to Australia. And, you know, Broken Hill's in the middle of nowhere, small little little country town, you know. We went there, and I got to do a breakfast radio show at Gloria Jeans in Broken Hill with Will Graham, Billy Graham's grandson, and I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And I just learnt about what their strategy was, you know. They they send in people beforehand to meet all the pastors. They try and make sure that there's unity in the church so that they invite Will to come in. They do all this training for all the churches so that when people come to Christ, they can follow them up after the, the crusade event or the, the outreach event. And... I just love their whole heart for unity in each town. I remember being there thinking, wow, this is something I feel God's calling me to do. And so I remember sitting there with Will Graham, Bill Newman, who's an Australian version of Billy Graham, basically, you know, and um, Steve Grace, the gospel singer. Uh, and we sat around at breakfast one morning and I was like, wow, I'm pinching myself, get to sit with these legends, you know. And I said, look, guys, I feel God wants me to do this kind of thing. And working with Vision Radio, you know, we've got 600,000 listeners around Australia. Wherever I go, I could promote it on the radio and I could take a team with me. Like, you know. So anyway, that was the first one. Then I followed him to Alice Springs and there was 800 salvations. It was amazing uh, outreach. Then I followed him to Kalgoorlie when he was there. Um, and then when I was in Kalgoorlie, uh, I got to know the local pastors and they invited me back a year later to do the same thing. So I went back to Kalgoorlie a year after Will Graham was there and I preached at schools, I preached at a combined outreach, I preached at youth groups, I met with the ministers fraternal, and I was like, wow, I think God is opening doors, you know, for me to do this. So so since then, uh, I also went to Hobart with Will Graham last year uh, and spent some more time with them then. And since then, I've been to places like Cairns, Albury-Wodonga, Dubbo, Grafton, uh, Narrabri, you know, all sorts of places anywhere in Australia. And so... We've actually got ads on Vision Radio saying if you want to invite Matt Prater to come to your town, we can uh, do youth schools, evangelism events, uh, we can do evangelism training, men's breakfast, and we can bring, you know, we've got these Word for Today devotionals from Vision Radio. We can bring these devotionals along. Um, I've got uh, my new History Makers book that's available. You know, I can, you know, we can bring resources and we can bless the local community uh, and we can win souls and we can train the church to win souls because that's my my other heart. I, I want to win souls, but I believe every believer should do the work of an evangelist. 
some people have the the calling of an evangelist, but we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. So that's part of my uh, desire to release the Christians from being stuck in their pews and getting out of the four walls of the church. So, yeah, so I feel like uh, that connection with Will Graham has really blessed me. And then last year uh, I got to go to Asheville, uh, North Carolina, and spend a week at the Billy Graham retreat. And I spent two hours with Will Graham just talking about all this. And he just encouraged me and prayed for me. And, you know, I just feel like that that legacy from the, you know, from Billy Graham and Franklin Graham and Will Graham, you know, I feel like God's raising up a whole army of evangelists to go to the four corners of the world. And, and I believe there's a grace on Australia to take the gospel to the world as well. So that's part of my heart. What an incredible story. And, I mean, that's just undeniable, isn't it? You just can't make that up of having those experiences of God placing you in those places that really starts to inform that call or you start to see and perceive that really well. And and it's true. I've got another evangelist coming on um, the show I'm about to interview also, Matt, and there certainly is God is doing something in this space of raising up evangelists that are speaking in, in large settings. So it's not something of the past. There seems to be like there is a resurgence into this space and I just love seeing what God is doing in, in all areas of outreach in our country and beyond. If you're listening to this podcast before the 16th or 23rd of August 2023, can I invite you to a special evening online with myself? I'm calling it A Night with Tina Waldrum and I'm going to be talking about evangelism lessons that I've learned through my own stories of reaching out to people, the wins, the fails, everything that I've learned and everything that I've been learning this year when it comes to evangelism. I'd love to have you along to that. Also, I'll be sharing a new direction that I'll be taking when it comes to evangelism and you'll see that happening through evangelism in australia so come along why don't you go to evangelisminaustralia.com forward slash events and there you will see the night with tina waldrum hope to see you there what i want to know is how do you even hold these two intention because you are employed as the senior minister of your church in brisbane you hope brisbane are they happy that you're out there uh, doing crusades, I'm sure they are because otherwise you wouldn't have your job. So how does that even work? Because there's people that are listening. Like I'm, this is quite unusual to hear somebody in your situation. Yeah, well, I started doing it several years ago, just every now and then, just doing a little trip here and there and, you know, the Lord started opening some doors. And, you know, I've been in constant conversations with my elders and, and church leaders and, and the board and just saying, look, guys, I feel like this is part of my calling and I feel like to do it out of our church, not separate to our church. The thing is the DNA of our church is we're, we're very missional. We're very outreach focused. Like we do a soup kitchen for the homeless. Uh, there's 40 homeless shelters around the inner city of Brisbane that we take meals to every Friday and we minister, we witness and we see people saved, you know. So our church is very evangelistic. Uh, so one of the things that did happen is we had a, a church consultant a few years ago, a guy named John Finkeldy, who's a great man of God, he came in and spent a week at our church and interviewed the elders and the key staff and, and then preached for us, you know, and did some volunteer training. And then he did a 10-page report with his advice to our church, basically, you know, and it was such a blessing. And one of the things he said, he said, uh, Matt, your gifting and calling as an evangelist is needed in Australia. and you should make that a part of your mission of your church, N not 
Matt Prater's separate thing that he does on the side, but it's part of the central mission of the church. And when he said that, it felt like I was validated, you know, because previously I'd go on an evangelistic trip and I'd feel guilty that I was ripping off my church, that I wasn't back at my church, you know. But now I know that it's part of the calling of the church. And the other part of the the vision is that I take people with me on trips. So I've got some young guys that are rappers and some of our youth leaders. And I took my wife on a trip recently and she spoke at the church too, you know, and um, we're we're very big on raising up an army to do this. And I also am connected to, to a few other really good evangelist buddies who I know that I can send them to places where I'm invited. Like if I can't do it, I'll send someone else to go too, you know. So I feel like we're developing this organic network of evangelists that can go to the highways and the byways of our nation. And uh, I just believe it's harvest time. And we've been praying for the Lord to send out workers for the harvest field. And I believe it's a time to be an answer to that prayer and go and be workers in the harvest field. Yeah. Well, it's a great, I love the model. Can I be honest? Like I've been involved in church work for 30 plus years, like yourself. And I feel that most of our denominations, when it comes to paying people in ministry, we are looking to employ pastors to pastor churches. But if you're an evangelist and you're purely just playing that position as a pastor, it's sometimes hard for many ministers to go, I'm going to step out of this because it's not often that churches are paying an evangelist on staff, but in fact, you've kind of got the perfect position with a church that is recognizing that you're actually the evangelist pastor and making room for you to express that gifting. Do you think there's many other pastors out there that are actually evangelists and not pastors? Yeah, well, I've, I've, caught up with a few pastors that have a similar kind of a model and uh, they have travelled extensively over the years and they they just juggle their time between the travelling and, and the local ministry. And the good thing these days too is even when you are travelling somewhere, you can do Zoom. Uh, you can still catch up with people on the phone and, and, hey, people message you all the time on Messenger anyway, you know. <laughs> so it's like wherever you are, you can still be in communication with people. Um, Having said that, there's nothing like face-to-face ministry, you know. Whilst it's good to use technology, it's nothing like actually being in front of your church and being in front of the person that that you need to minister to. So I've connected with a few others that are doing it, and I just think we need to rethink our church models as well. I think the idea that there's one pastor who does it all and you pay that one pastor, they do it all, and there's a couple of people that help them, I just don't think that's healthy because pastors burn out. Pastors, they're not gifted in evangelism or they're not gifted in teaching or they're not gifted in whatever other thing, you know. They've got a certain gift and and that's it, you know. That's why we have this saying, doing church as a team. Ephesians talks about the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's why we need a team of people running churches and not just leaving it up to the pastor. And, And thankfully, I know in my position, I've got, four or five other really good leaders around me uh, that fill the gaps when I'm away and uh, they're very strongly gifted in other areas that I'm not in and that's why we need to do church as a team, yeah. Yeah, amen. Let me just ask you a question about um, I'm thinking of myself. Naturally, I think of some of the benefits or some of the overflow of having a church that has a pastor in your position that's really the evangelist in disguise. (laughs) 
out doing some crusades every now and again. From your perspective of what you're seeing, what are the benefits or what are the overflows that you see to the congregation, the local congregation there in Brisbane? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, one of the best things about New Hope uh, is we get about five to ten unchurched people every Sunday. Um, so we have like, I don't know, 180, 190 on a Sunday, you know, kind of averaging at the moment. And every week we get unchurched people. So some of them are from the homeless shelters that we minister in. Some of them it's because people have invited their friends. Some of them people have just Googled and found our church and, and liked the website or Facebook and they've turned up, you know. So, you know, there's something about having a church with unchurched people in it that just makes it a bit more dynamic as a church. Sometimes when I go and preach in, you know, other churches, they haven't seen anyone saved for a long time or they just they don't get visitors. So we, we've just made our church have that welcoming culture. We've challenged everyone in the church to have that inviting culture and uh, we're very big on making sure whenever anyone comes to the church, like I say to my leaders, the 20 minutes before the service, and the 20 minutes after the service, don't chat to each other in your little clicks. <laughs> That's your time to connect with the newcomers. That's the time to welcome them into the welcome lounge, uh, to ask them out for coffee, to, you know, tell them about our other groups we have in the church, you know. We, we need to have that welcoming, inviting culture um, because the reality is you look at the census in Australia, the church uh, is in decline. And uh, whatever models we've had in the past, it's, it's not working. There are some sections of the church that's growing, praise God, but most uh, sections of the church are, are declining because we've got an old wineskin. I believe we need a new wineskin and it needs to be evangelism focused. It needs to be a welcoming culture and it needs to be also around small groups. We, we've got a lot of connect groups and small groups in our church and uh, we try to make sure people aren't just coming on Sunday but they're connected in a smaller gathering as well because we're really big on discipleship. One of the criticisms I've got as an evangelistic pastor over the years, is, you know, all these people put their hand up and come to know the Lord, but are you really discipling them? I've heard that a million times, you know, and that's made me really think, how can we disciple them the best? Um, so we've been getting coached by uh, Crossway Baptist in Melbourne. They have a, a great uh, method called the Discovery Bible Method and building a discipleship culture. So we get coached by them in how to teach people to do the Discovery Bible Method. Uh, get them into clusters and small groups and be active in following up all the new believers. We don't just want to be an evangelistic church or just a discipleship church. We want to be both and not either or. Mm, yeah, great answer and some great comments there for people to think about. I know that whatever we give airtime to off our pulpits, that seems to be what people pick up on. Do you think that a lot of the airtime that's given on the weekend, so to speak, to encourage people in evangelism or hear stories of crusades that you've been a part of whatever do you think that that ultimately is having a you know very positive impact and on the people yeah absolutely and you know that's the the good thing about the power of story you know you look at Jesus he told parables he told stories all the time so yeah we're, we're very big on uh, sharing the, the testimonies and the stories of what God's doing and every single Sunday uh Every single Friday at our soup kitchen, we will have an altar call for salvation. And we just do a simple one. We put your hand up, pray the sinner's prayer if you want to come to Christ. Then we always give them a Bible and a devotional and, and get their details and follow them up. 
You know, some people have said, oh, why do you have to do it every single service? You know what? 95% of our services, someone will put their hand up and, and pray the prayer. Uh, sometimes it's it's repeat, but I prayed that prayer about 20 times when I was a teenager and I think one of them eventually stuck, you know. Um, and sometimes people don't put their hand up, but they prayed in their heart and that's the beginning of their walk with God, you know. Um, and I think that's one thing that's also lacking a lot uh, in Christians these days. We just don't ask the question. We just don't take the opportunity to say, hey, would you like to give your heart to the Lord? Can we pray together, you know. One of my favourite stories, we did a wedding for a couple from our soup kitchen and they asked me to go down to Fortitude Valley uh, to the reception at the pub. Now, Fortitude Valley is mentioned in Psalm 23, you know, the valley of the shadow of death. It's a, it's a pretty rough area in Brisbane, you know, and so it was a rough pub. So I got up, said grace at the pub, and I've got a pretty loud voice, as you may have noticed. And as I said amen, there was this lady standing next to me, and she said, Father, can I please confess my sins? So I said, yes, my daughter. <laughs> anyway, she thought that's what you do when there's a pastor there. So she confessed all her sins to me, and and I said, well, you know, the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Would you like to give your heart to the Lord? She goes, what, here? I said, yeah, we can do it right here. She goes, okay. So we held hands, and I led it to the Lord right in the middle of the pub in Fortitude Valley. Then there was another lady behind her. He came up and she said, Father, can I please confess my sins? I said, yes, my daughter. Went through the same thing. There was a lineup of people at the pub that I prayed for that day. And it was just, it made me come alive. And I rang my wife a bit later. I said, honey, I'm going to be late for dinner because I've got all these people that want some prayer. And she goes, honey, you stay there because that's where Jesus would be. And when she said that, it's like something just broke in my heart, you know. We can do all these great things as pastors, you know, but what would Jesus be doing in 2023 in Brisbane? He'd be at the valley, in the pub, praying for people. That's what I reckon, you know. So we need to get back to the words and works of Jesus, I reckon. Yeah, amen. I love it. You're preaching me happy, that's for sure. So I, I love the conversation, Matt, because, yeah, evangelists do get accusations. And when we talk about crusade evangelists, that's why I wanted to have this conversation on our show, is that. I'm sure that you can today as a listener hear Matt's heart for discipleship. We're not saying we're trying to just get people to say yes to Jesus. We are working through the hard questions of how do we disciple people? What's beyond the yes to Jesus? How do we do that well? And the Billy Graham Association, having worked for them in Australia myself um, before starting evangelism in Australia, I saw the processes there and they're doing their very best to answer that question and sure like all of us not everybody that says yes to Jesus are they still following Jesus 10 years on but that's the case for all of us so this is a healthy conversation and a great conversation for senior ministers that may be the evangelist in disguise there there as a senior pastor I'm going to drop all the links I want to encourage you to go and check out newhopebrisbane.com where Matt is the senior minister, also historymakersradio.com, which is the radio station and podcast that Matt has. Make sure you check it out and have a listen. This, I feel like we've had the beginning of a conversation. I hope it's been interesting for you. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Let me ask you one quick question. What would you tell a senior pastor who just knows that they're an evangelist and they want to take a step forward? They're feeling a bit awkward about discussing with their own their own board or church committee, what would you say? Yeah, I'd say have that conversation with your team. Brian Hardbonke said, if the church 
is not reaching the lost, it's lost. You know, I just believe every church should have some uh, evangelism outreach, uh, you know, whether it be to the homeless, whether it be to the local school, whether it be, you know, to a nursing home, you know. We've all got some harvest field around us. We need to find that harvest field. It might be crusades. It might be other countries, you know. And if there's senior pastors that feel that that's their, that's their calling, you know, I actually think try and do it as part of your church ministry. You don't have to leave your church and, and be, you know, be an itinerant, you know. Unless God tells you that, you can still do it as well as being a senior pastor, you know. Um, I just think you just got to have that conversation and, Find a way to find the balance between the evangelism and the pastoring because I believe it can be done and uh, I believe that uh, God will grace you uh, to do uh, that work of an evangelist wherever he calls you. That's brilliant. Matt, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much, Tina. God bless. And I really appreciated being interviewed today for a change. It was nice. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out onmissionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time.